The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. I'm stoked to be here for a solo episode this week since we had a guest, Colby Dean, last week and next week will be a guest that is a really cool dentist, but I will explain that to you at the end of the episode. But this week's episode that you could tell from the title is updates from My Life in Dental School specifically clinic the past two weeks, things have ramped up for me, which is awesome, but also has brought some really fun patient situations, some really challenging scenarios, more test cases, and all kinds of crazy things that I will talk about with you this week. So we're going to start in chronological order. I was going to do like cool things that have happened and bad things that have happened, but I feel like then I'll leave things out and we'll be jumping around too much. So we'll just go in chronological order and the good and the bad will be all mixed together. So one of the fun things I got to do was an anterior restoration just for purely cosmetic purposes, not really much drilling on the teeth other than roughening up the enamel a little bit and then doing some composite bonding onto the facial incisal area just to kind of make the patient's lateral incisor more symmetric with the other side of their mouth. And that was really fun and they were happy with it. And I got to try out a new type of composite that one of the faculty let me use. It's more of that, I don't even know what the proper chemical dental term for it is, but basically there are composites out there that are supposed to match the shade on their own without you like deciding is it this shade, this shade, or this shade. It's all one and then it's supposed to blend to the naked eye to the right color of their tooth. So that was kind of cool. And then I also did a lot more restorative work. I've really been on the lookout like what patients are going to meet my test case criteria because I've been getting really overwhelmed and stressed about that. Like if you follow my dental Instagram page, it's at Haley Schultz Dental. I try to be really transparent on there with the good days and with the bad days. And I don't know if it was this particular week or if it was the week before, but I literally had like, I don't want to call it a breakdown, but I was just bummed and stressed and I cried and everything was okay in the end, but I just came home one day and was just overwhelmed because I really wanted to pass all my classes this semester. You'd think that wouldn't be such a big ask, but it really is with the way clinic is set up. We have test cases we have to meet by the time third year is done. You have to kind of pick and choose as you go and you can pick any of them as you're going and you have to do each one one time and get graded on it and pass and if you don't pass you redo it so it's not that you have to do a class one and an anterior this semester and a scan and a class two the next semester you could mix and match things however you want but for prosthodontics and for our restorative class I was so stressed that I just wasn't going to be able to do a test case that I needed to pass the semester So you have to have them all done and graded as a pass by the end of the semester. Sorry, by the end of the school year. But each semester, you have to do two restorative test cases and I think three or four prosthodontic test cases. And I had done one restorative test case early in the semester, which was my class two, which I told you all was super discouraging and it didn't go as well as I 
was hoping, but it was my first time ever doing a class two on a patient. So of course it's not going to go well. And then I didn't really have any crown or bridge planned. I didn't really have any removable dentures, whether that be complete or partial dentures, but that's where this week's episode gets exciting because I finally have patients that are going through with their treatment plans and I'm finally getting to do dentistry work in clinic. It's so much fun. So I have one patient that needs, I think, four restorations. So I started one last week and that was a nice, very basic class two. It was MOD, I think I'm like 30 or something. We took out some existing amalgam with recurrent decay and then the one end was primary decay, so it was MOD all the way around and filled it with composite. And it was challenging to do the matrix system that allows you to kind of get the contour of the tooth and get the proper contact with the adjacent tooth. You want it to be snug so that food doesn't get trapped in there, but you want it to be not too tight so that you can still floss the area and keep it clean. So that's always a challenge when it comes to doing dental restorations that are restoring a contact and with an MOD, you're restoring usually the mesial contact and the distal contact. So you have two chances to mess up with getting that contact right. Or for me, this weird problem I've been having, I'm getting a contact, but what I'm not doing is filling my box all the way. Once I take the matrix band out, I always have this like divot on the lingual surface where it's just like super under contoured, which means that I basically didn't push my composite into the box enough on the lingual which makes sense because that's the area I have like least direct vision of is where there ends up being these divots. But it's happened to me so many times in the past two weeks that it's so frustrating. But I'm doing another one tomorrow or Thursday or both after I'm recording this. So faculty gave me some tips on how to try to do that better and avoid that. So we'll see if it helps. That's the nice thing though. I'm just so happy to be working in real patient scenarios now and getting to learn and get better because I'm never going to get better at that if I don't keep practicing it. And just to give you the full picture when something like that is messed up or we do work that is subpar, we just fix it. Like it's not a big deal. Like my preps have all been really good. And that's the part that's irreversible. You can't put back tooth structure. So all of my preps, I would say, have been really solid. Faculty's been really happy with them. I've been really happy with them. I think it's so fun. I really like prepping. I don't like filling so much at this stage of treating patients just because I have been having similar struggles over and over and it gets discouraging and frustrating. But like I said, I'm going to have more practice this week. So I'm eager to see if it helps. But when there's a divot or something missing, you just re-etch, rebond, you can fill it. You can maybe like drop a little slot prep or whatever you have to do to make it bond well to that area, depending on the scenario. But we still fix it and make it great for the patient. It's just like my initial fillings have been not where I want them to be. I would just prefer to take the band off, have it be great, smooth it, polish it, done, rather than have to go back, re-etch, rebond, do all the steps all over again, because that's not efficient and it's annoying for the patient, annoying for the provider, just overall not the ideal situation. But that was Monday and I had a new patient exam as well. I've been doing so many assists because I think I started last week with 15 and I finished last week with 23. So I've been going ham on the assisting because I need 36 by the end of the semester and there is only one, two, three, four and a half weeks left. And I have to get like 
12 more or something. So it's possible 14 more, but it's still like I have to be on top of it. I did really good last week though, so I was proud of myself, but I was assisting a lot the past two weeks is the point I want to make in these recaps. So I've basically been exhausted because what if I'm seeing patients eight to five or I'm assisting and seeing patients, I'm like always at school eight to five. Sometimes I'm doing a workout starting at 7 a.m. So a lot of times I'm up at 6.15 and then I don't get home until 5.30 and then I might have a club thing that goes until 7.30, whether that's at school or it's an online thing Or if I don't work out in the morning, I work out in the evening and then I still get home late. So I'm very grateful that academics have been pretty chill. We had our midterms a few weeks ago and I don't know if I told you all, but they went pretty well. I didn't get A's on everything, but I got A's and B's and that's better than I usually do. Sometimes I have some low scores sprinkled in there. So I was pretty happy with it. I did study a good bit, but it wasn't a stressful studying because they were all like dentistry related classes. We have one midterm coming up in two weeks for our diagnostic science class, which is still dentistry, but it's not like perio, ortho. It's diagnosing lesions, whether they're normal, variation of normal, potential to be malignant, potential to have different problems. What's the treatment for them? How do you structure differential diagnosis? All these types of things that gets very overwhelming because there's so many, so many possibilities. That's like the only hard class, in my opinion, that we're in right now. And all of the other midterms were fairly chill. I still had to study, but it wasn't stressful. So with these long days, I'm really grateful that I haven't been too stressed out because that would have made things a lot worse if I was super stressed out as well as being exhausted and then having to come home and study. So I guess I'll just finish talking about all the restorative from the past two weeks, then I'll talk about the pros. So the next thing I did last week was a patient that has a lot of treatment planned. And this has been a really cool experience for me because he came in as a new patient and I treatment planned everything, which, you know, that's normal, but it was a complex treatment plan and required a lot of discussion with the patient of this or that pros and cons and presenting them all the options. I think that's something really important to make sure that we're doing fairly as dentists one day is presenting patients with all the options. Sometimes it can be overwhelming to them, but it's really unfair to assume because a patient has XYZ insurance or doesn't have insurance that they're not gonna want maybe implants or something that's more top of the line but expensive treatment it's important to present them the options but also talk to them and get a good understanding of where they're at what their values are what their priorities are how much financing do they have to spend out of pocket on dentistry and is it something that they're willing to do so I had all those kinds of discussions with the patient and we came up with a plan and there were a lot of extractions planned and this patient had extreme 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 dental fear they hadn't been to the dentist in over 18 years so there was a lot of like habits and factors contributing to the need to have teeth extracted as well as just the fear and the pain that they were in was making it difficult to care for their teeth. So it was a tough appointment to see because it was one of the most, I guess, dramatic things that I've seen in a real patient during one of my exams so far. But the patient was planned for extractions under IV sedation. I had all the teeth out about a month after I saw them and then the patient was comfortable to come back and start the rest of their treatment plan. They had requested, you know, I'm not really comfortable 
starting my restorative work until the extractions are done because I don't want to get scared and not come back for the extractions because they had infections they were in pain that had to be the first priority before we started taking care of the teeth that were restorable so that's how we got to last week and there were still a couple teeth lingering that I personally didn't agree with what the first faculty I work with had treatment planned and I knew it didn't really align with what the patient wanted and so I had a big discussion with them about their autonomy and their decisions and yes as dentists faculty and as the dental student I'm going to be recommending things and giving perspectives and pros and cons but at the end of the day they need to make the decision and take the autonomy and the claim over their own oral care and their own oral health so it was ultimately their decision whether I agreed with the last faculty they agreed with the last faculty or not didn't really matter as long as the treatment they're choosing is still safe for them and we still feel morally okay to provide it that's what we're going to do so the patient opted to extract two more teeth is the new treatment plan so there's still two more that need to be extracted rather than going for the route of caries removal to determine restorability and then endo post core crown all of that they're already getting implants they figured extract and do a few more implants and that was their decision and that's actually what I kind of agreed with in the first place but I wanted the patient to come to that conclusion on their own that that was the best thing for them and I worked with a different faculty that day that was a little bit more accepting of the patient's wishes rather than well try to save the tooth you always got to save the tooth it's not always the best option depending on each unique patient you know and at the end of the day it's their choice either way so That's kind of where we ended up, and then I got to start some restorative work, so I did another class two, and then, like I said earlier, I ran into kind of a similar problem, but it was better on this one. It wasn't as bad as the first two that I did, so I am improving, but I still keep having these weird voids when I'm using a matrix and filling with composite, but I'll get there. I know I will. What was really, really rewarding about this situation is that this patient The day they came in for this new appointment with me since the extractions, like night and day, so much more comfortable. They were out of pain, which is amazing. They'd been in pain for years and hadn't been able to do anything about it because of that fear. So just to know that they are not in pain anymore was such a nice feeling. And then now we had to get over the hurdle of, okay, what is causing your dental fear and how can I try to make your appointment more comfortable? So this is kind of an easy thing that I know that people do in offices, but it's not as common at the school just because it's like cubicle, 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 open air setting, lots of drills, lots of things going on. I was like, hey, just bring some headphones and we'll talk before we start. Make sure you're consenting to everything. Make sure you know what's going on. Make sure you're numb. Make sure you're comfortable. But once we start drilling, if you don't want to hear the dental drills, which is one of the big fear factors for this patient like put some headphones in listen to music turn it up as loud as you want and we'll get to work and we'll get things done if that's going to make you more comfortable and it did and it was really great for this patient they didn't feel any pain everything was good and like night and day I can't even explain it from the first time I saw this patient to this second appointment with me and even when doing a pretty large restoration that could have been uncomfortable for them or could have been scary like they were so calm and just very appreciative and communicative with me that they felt so much better and they've never had such positive experiences at the dentist so it was really rewarding to hear and just great to be doing more restorative work and I mean class twos MODs like they're tough so I'm glad to get more practice with them 
And we kind of started with obviously the biggest carious lesion and we're going to work our way to some easier things. So there's one more large restoration that I'll do this week and then the other couple should be a little bit easier and hopefully less stressful for me and also for the patient. But that was just a cool scenario and I still have a good bit of work left to do on that patient. So I'm optimistic that they're going to go well and we'll be able to really get the patient in a good place. They also really need to have a discussion with me too about like how did their original scenario with all these carious teeth come to be. We really need to get into like oral habits, whether it be drinking something super sugary or brushing and flossing. But I mean, since the extractions, the oral hygiene looks so much better to me. So I think a lot of it was the oral pain making it difficult to brush and floss. So it's definitely something I'm keeping in mind that needs to be part of the discussion and plan for this patient because implants aren't going to work. Restorative work can't fix everything. You can still get recurrent decay. So we need to make sure that the oral hygiene is in peak condition to make sure that the rest of their treatment plan can actually be successful and have a good longevity. So that's another thing just to kind of that I think about and something that you will also think about once you are in dental school if you're not already. And then the other patient that I had last week, I did another test case. This was my second test case of the semester, so I met those restorative test case requirements if I passed the second one, which let me tell you the whole story. We'll do it story time style. So I had this patient that has, I think, four anterior, like lower anterior teeth with caries and... I was like, okay, hopefully one of these can meet my anterior test case requirement, which is just that you're restoring a contact. So it can't be completely facial, completely lingual. It has to be in interproximal area and at the height of needing to restore contact. So one tooth I thought would be good, but the decay was below the contact. So I just filled that at the start of the appointment. Pretty smooth, pretty easy super, super great and chill patient, which always makes it nice. And that's part of the decision making for me when looking for test case patients, test case scenarios as well. Does the tooth meet the requirements? But is this patient going to be chill enough to do it? Because when we're test casing for restorative, we have to use a rubber dam, regardless of if we think it's going to be like a pulp exposure, whatever. You just have to for isolation purposes and because it is a better standard of care so we don't always use them for other patient scenarios but if you're going to test case you've got to use a rubber dam so I did the filling on the one tooth and it was two separate fillings on the same tooth one on the mesial one on the distal and I still had a good bit of time left it was about 10 15 10 30 and clinic ended at noon so I called over the faculty and when we're test casing we have to work with two faculty and there were only two in the clinic working with about 16 students total. They each had about eight students on their list and another student was already test casing. And when you're test casing, you do work with both faculty because you need to kind of get double opinions to make sure the grading is more fair is the purpose. So I called them both over and I said, okay, I have another one to fill here. It's got decay and we can tell it's really deep. So it was a tooth that had already had a restoration in it. You can pretty much assume because it's a super smooth prep that's missing from the tooth but it fell out somehow and because it had been fallen out for I think at least six or eight months according to this patient there's just like a hole in their tooth and unfortunately all of the margins all the walls had decayed like 
all the axial walls, the cervical floor, all had decay on it. And we were nearly to the point where I was like almost at the pulp, but you weren't sure how deep the decay went in. We took a new PA. It wasn't super indicative of how far the decay was going to go. And the patient was fairly old. So we're like, maybe the pulp chambers are calcified, but we knew that it was deep. And that as soon as at that point, you communicate that with the patient hey, do you want to try restoring this? There's a chance it might need a root canal in the future. And if you don't want a root canal, the only other treatment option is extraction if you end up having sensitivity from this filling or if we end up having caries all the way into the pulp. Patient understood that, was good, wanted to try restoring it and see how they feel. So we went ahead and started drilling and put the rubber dam on first, of course, because they let me test case it. But we knew going into it, this is not an ideal test case. This is a tough filling. This is a deep filling. We'll see how it goes. And of course, I was drilling and got to the point of, okay, this axial wall is getting deep. I'm right at the pulp and the tiniest bit of a pulp exposure. And that is not me doing anything wrong and that's something hard to wrap your head around as a dentist in training when you have a pulp exposure is not always I did something wrong if the decay is in the pulp the decay is in the pulp like the decay pulped the tooth I didn't pulp the tooth what we get in trouble per se for is if you're drilling recklessly and pulp a tooth, but there was no decay there in the first place. Patient never knew that you would need that. And now they need endo or extraction and they were totally unaware and all this. Like that's the problem when the patient is surprised that now they need more treatment and that you maybe put them in a situation that they shouldn't have been in. But this wasn't a surprise. So it was still scary though. The first time you see blood coming out of a tooth, not the gums, like the tooth, it was a crazy just like, you know, it's my first time of something and it was kind of wild. And of course, this was like a test case. Like I obviously should not have test case something so challenging, but it was the only thing that met my criteria and I'm just stressed that I'm going to get incompletes and I don't want incompletes. So I went for it. And I mean, I'm so happy that I had this situation and had something so challenging because now I feel so much more prepared if anything like this happens again in the future. Not that I would want to test case it again, but just having done this was, I think, such great experience. And I know it's nothing out of the ballpark, crazy unique, like this happens all the time in normal dental office, but it's just nice that I'm getting to do challenging restorative as well as easy restorative. So once you do expose the pulp, if it's not a large exposure, so this would be like a pinpoint exposure, so small, you use calcium hydroxide and then a GI liner. And once both of those layers have individually hardened up, then you apply a second, which is a GI liner. Cure that. It's like um, dual cure, so it's time and the light can help a little bit. And you just have like a cotton roll in there with some pressure trying to stop the bleeding. And then you go ahead and put those two we can call them, I call them for the patient's sake, like medications, because it kind of can help with sensitivity. So once those were set, I didn't let them set for as long as I probably should have, because I was still kind of figuring it out, you know, and then there was a little bit more bleeding. So that had me kind of freaked out. I knew that I still had some more decay on the incisal area of the prep, but I was so flustered with the little bit of bleeding and trying to get the bleeding under control that I got the axial and like incisal decay out and then called for my final prep check which means all my decay is supposed to be out they're going to grade me where I am at this point 
And then the one faculty said, okay, it's fine. The next one came over and said, oh, no, like, you've still got decay on your cervical floor. Like, this is not okay. And that's what I mean. These faculty are never going to let us put a patient in harm's way. Like, we're practicing under their license. They wouldn't let me just fill it because of the test case. And then after the fact, tell me that it's wrong and there's still decay, which is disease in the patient's mouth. And now we have to fix it or now we have to leave it. Like, that would never happen. That's why things are structured the way they are. They told me, hey, it's still there. You need to fix it. Then I fixed it and got it checked again. But of course, that's question mark amount of points deducted from my test case. So now I'm like, all right, giant filling, pulp exposure, miss some decay. Oof, am I going to pass this? And because there was only two faculty and another student test casing, by the time all of this was finally approved for me to fill it, I think I had like 25, 30 minutes maybe, probably like 25 minutes. And, you know, etch bond, pack some composite in there with a matrix, but the matrix wasn't helping much because there was no, like, literally half of a tooth was gone. It was building up half of a tooth, and this is a male, so usually they have larger teeth. And again, I had this gaping opening on the lingual, and I'm just like, how does this keep happening? And the patient's mouth was very, like, moist, so my mirror kept fogging up, and I was trying to, like, rub the mirror on their cheek. That's a little hack if you're working in a mouth, because the mirror will get warmer then, and then it won't fog up as much. You could also have your assistant, like, blow air on the mirror, but anyways, I was just trying to get in the right seating position to kind of see what I was doing, and then the lingual was, like, super underfilled, and then the contact was, like, way, way, way too tight, the whole like embrasure space was like overfilled with composite even though I used a matrix but like the matrix just like couldn't contour the way I needed to and it was a whole thing so it took a while to fill and by 12.05 I was had the hole in the back filled up and I was kind of just trying to get the contact to be flossable because it was way 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 too tight but I didn't want to damage the adjacent tooth and I didn't want to take away the contact completely. So you have to just do a little check it, do a little check it, do a little check it. And I was trying to smooth out from the incisal with the really, really skinny flame burr and that like wasn't really working for me. And then I realized I could go in through the embrasure space and just get all the composite out that way, drill from the facial all the way into the lingual, which was nice because I knew I had over hangs of composite on the lingual too from doing that like second packing of filling where there was that big void and I was able to just go right in through the facial and fix all of that contour so that made me a lot more satisfied with how it looked and eventually I was able to floss it still had my contact with which meant I passed that criteria of the test case shade match decent finish polish all that decent and then I was like five minutes over time but again I waited a long time between my checks. It's not that I was super slow. I was way slower than normal for a filling because I was so frazzled with my first time dealing with a pulp exposure on my own patient that I just was a little bit slower, but I was waiting a lot of time between trying to get both of the faculty to check both steps. So I called them over and I was like, I'm so sorry that I'm over time because that's another criteria of the test case. But they checked it and they're both like, oh, this is so good. Like, great. So they were being really supportive like you did such a good job with this but part of me was wondering if they were just like saying that to be nice because I know some students can like literally break down crying in clinic 
I mean, I'm sure it'll happen to me one day, hopefully not, but like when test cases get tough or just scenarios get tough and they feel overwhelmed or whatever and they think they're going to fail a test case, they might start crying or something and you don't want to do that in front of a patient because they're going to lose confidence. So I don't know if the faculty was just being supportive of me at that point just to be nice or if they actually meant that I did a good job, but patient finally got to leave and they were so nice too about it. Even though it was a long appointment, they were there from 9 to like 12, 10, 12, 15. So 15 minutes over clinic when we finally got all of our swipes and checkouts. But then I submitted my test case for grading and all night was like, oh my goodness, did I pass or not? Like, I know the end result was good. They were saying I did really good, but over time, pulp exposure, which was expected, but it still happened. So is that going to mark me down? And then leaving that decay for my prep check, what's going to happen? Well, later that night, around like 8.45 p.m., I got a notification that my test case was graded. You know, you click, grade is put into Canvas. You click the notification to see what it's going to be. It's loading. You're all stressed. And I got an 88, and I was really, really happy with that. And the only reason I was marked down is because I did leave that cervical decay. And like looking back now, I'm like, that's such a silly mistake. Like I would never usually do that because like I was saying – on all my other restorations I've done so far, like the three or four that I've gotten to do in the past couple weeks, I like have really solid preps. Like I'm pretty confident in my prepping, but the pulp exposure, I think just threw me off. So now I'm more prepared going forward. And honestly, this episode is getting kind of long. So I think I'm going to wrap it up here and I will talk about my pros test cases and pros case that I'm working on in another episode because I'll be further along with it. I'm kind of in the middle of it right now anyways, so it'll be more exciting and I guess have the full picture if I wait to talk about it till later. So thank you all so, so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we have a really cool guest. She is a dentist that does home care dentistry. So not necessarily mobile dentistry, like patients aren't coming out to a van and like being met in a community. This is a dentist going into people's homes that cannot physically go to the dentist. So it's people that might have been seen in a hospital setting, are discharged from that, but still unable to either move, to get into a dental office, travel, can't function independently, something like that. And they can't get dental care unless someone comes into their home and there was a need for that in her community. And she talks all about that, how she's running a business, how she's doing it and making a really good living, how it's flexible, how it's enjoyable, and how you can figure out if that's something that would be a good fit for you. So I look forward to sharing that with you all next week, and I hope you have a lovely rest of your week whenever you're listening to this episode.